Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to talk about five signs that might tell you that your message is not working. Although we may find six or seven by the time we're done. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> so this comes out of an episode we did called Breaking into a New Specialty. And we sort of started off before the show trying to parse the word specialty a little bit more clearly because there's a lot of squishiness around the terms specialization and niche and positioning and all of that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. focus, so on and so forth. So we're kind of wrapping it all up into messaging. However, however, whatever words are coming out of you uh, from a marketing standpoint, it seems like a catch-all term that you know the, the message that you're transmitting isn't getting across. And you, you know, ultimately you're going to change that message perhaps by tinkering around with some of the underlying things, whatever terms you use for them. So you might tinker around with your specialization. You might tinker around with your, your target market or your niche or wherever you, you want to pigeonhole yourself or your positioning. But it all boils down to words that you're transmitting. Yeah, so what's we the kind of, message? Yeah, so we so sort of like went up a level and we want to talk about um, detecting that your message is just not resonating with the people that you seek to serve, as Mr. Godin would say. <laughs> so, okay. Um, do we need more, any more preamble there or should we jump into the list? No, I, I, I think this is, this is good. This okay, is good. cool. So the first one uh, that Michelle came up with is your audience is stalled. What did you mean by that? Well, you know, I hear this all the time. Somebody will say, I, you know, I've got an email list and it's, you know, I started with two and I got to 30, I got to 100, I got to 300 and then boom, it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people are used to having these little leaps and sometimes big leaps in their email list. But when it plateaus for a while, it's not a good feeling. No. Right. Yeah. It feels like, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying type of feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And especially if you're... Um, not that I would ever do this, but if you ever um, go into your, your email thing and you look at the list and you're like, what? What? Like, that person unsubscribed? What were they thinking? <laughs> yeah. right. it, it can start to feel like, you know, like it's you, right? Not right. them. Was it something I said? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So the question, I suppose, the, the big question is like, when you see that happen, what do you do about it? Is it that your message isn't so like that particular metric? It's tough mm-hmm. to tell from that particular metric if it's that your message isn't getting across or it's completely gotten across, you know, like someone just like, okay, I get it, you know, or, or whatever the yeah. case may be. But it's certainly a sign that something is not right. And I could imagine using tactics to grow your list that could be effective. And I think we talked about those on that show where, you know, you you try and connect with someone else who has a an adjacent audience and see if it resonates. But if you're doing that, you're going on other podcasts or you're um, you know doing live streams with someone else, and it's just not moving the needle. Then you have to start to ask yourself, well, maybe my my message needs to be refreshed or changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there's so many different things you can take out of this, and and one might just be um, it's August. And yeah. in your particular area of expertise, maybe everybody's gone in August. Now, obviously, they're probably, you know, sheltering in place, but they're, they've checked out. And that, that could be, and, or it could be that way for December or January. Again, it, it may be a timing thing. It may also be that your content hasn't really been refreshed for a while or that it doesn't feel distinctive 
enough from what other people are writing. Um, it could be, and I've seen this happen, where uh, you, we become a little tone deaf, right? Because when uh, I saw this with, with COVID in particular, we had people who were still writing the same stuff they always wrote and their audience just didn't want to hear it. It's mm. not that they didn't like that person or that they didn't think the material was valuable. They didn't want to hear it now. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other thing is to really get your your finger on the pulse of your audience and find out what they're liking and what they're not liking. Yep. And you can ask. Right. That's the beauty of an email list. Yeah. Just be like, hey, uh, what do you think? You know, mm-hmm. I'm on a, I'm sort of a uh, an aficionado of email lists. I sign up for a lot of different lists and um, so especially daily ones because I'm curious how other people do a daily list. And I've certainly noticed ones that are, they're daily and there might be hundreds of emails, but they're canned. You know, it's like a, it's a sequence. It's a campaign. Oh, the sales you, campaign. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a value added, they're, they're value added good emails, but they're not live. So, you know, it's like if someone joins the list on Tuesday, they get email number one. If, if someone else joins the list three weeks later, they get email number one. And so you have this big, huge campaign of, you know, maybe 365 messages. And whenever somebody joins it, they start at the beginning and they go through the whole thing. And I mean, this is a little bit of a, a little bit orthogonal to what we're talking about, but it could be that the, it, it's kind of related to the staleness thing. It, it, to me, it takes on, um, it gets boring. It just feels stale. If, you know, some, certainly some topics are evergreen, but things are going on in the world. And if, uh, if your mailing list isn't growing, it could be that, eh, you know, people, people just aren't sharing these with anybody. You know, I'm thinking of, um, I sign up for a lot of lists too, because I'm just fascinated with what people think and what they have to say. And there is a type, I think of it as a type, where you're being sold something. And you know you're being sold something, and so you, you like there's a there's a pitch in literally every email. And I'm thinking of someone who does a certain kind of coaching, and there was a pitch literally in every single email. And by the third one, I was ready to hit delete, but I didn't because I wanted to see how long it would go. <laughs> I really wanted to see like when are they going to stop pitching? And I I actually I trying to remember the exact time. I'm sure it was at least four weeks, and it may have been as much as six before I finally just you know hit the button because it never changed. Mm-hmm. The, the information would be different, but it wasn't significant. It was kind of like what happened in their day. Hire me to coach you. <laughs> this happened today. Hire me to coach you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it may just be that your emails are just not hitting your audience right. Right. The the intention, because I have, I have buy now buttons in every single email, but I don't, but they're just like tacked onto the footer. It's not like I write the email to right. drive you into those links. It's just like, hey, if you want to buy something, here it is. It's like convenience. Yeah, it's the, value first. And yeah, then, you right. know, if you want to buy something, here are your choices. Right. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, the idea there is, you know, if you, I guess if you are, because I know there's a temptation for people who email and write a lot of emails to like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to like have missed all this great stuff I published. So <laughs> let me just turn it into an annual length daily campaign or weekly campaign. And, you know, it could be that, you know, that your message 
is fine and most of that stuff's evergreen, but it's just out of touch with what's going on or just is a little tone deaf or something and needs to be shaken up. Okay, so probably enough about email, audience, that sort of thing. Uh, it, you know, it could be it could be podcasting too, I suppose, but anyway. Yeah, well, it could be social too, social media. Maybe you're, you know, it's just kind of hovering um, at where it's been. Mm. Okay, so let's see. Number two, uh, this was my favorite one that you came up with. You run out of ideas. <laughs> so good. <laughs> You just run out of content ideas. Yes, you are boring yourself at this point. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was thinking there was a, a famous corporate leader whose, whose name escapes me at the moment from like the 90s, I think. And he used to say, you know, you have to repeat your message until you're so sick of hearing it yourself, you want to vomit. Yeah. You know, it's the, yeah. And so when you kind of run out of content ideas not not themes because you've articulated that already but you're like you know what am i going to write about today mm -hmm. i've got these four themes what what should i write about right uh, to me the the uh, the concept of running out of ideas is it's more about getting bored with your own mission or, or whatever whatever journey it is that you're on maybe it's not a mission but you know you're you're just bored mm -hmm. that's the only time that's that's when i have like um I don't really get writer's block. I don't let myself get writer's block. I just, if I have to write a crappy email, I'll just do it. Um, but the the times when I'm just like, Ugh, I don't know what to write about. It's pretty rare, but I know it's because I'm bored. Mm -hmm. It's like, eh, nothing, nothing is exciting me. There's no spark. There's no, um, or, or I've been distracted and I haven't been thinking about it. Like one of the nice things about writing yeah. every day is that you're always thinking about it. Like a day doesn't go by when you're not thinking about it, but generally. But when a day does go by that you don't think about it because of whatever. Like the, when the Black Lives Matter th stuff all started uh, bubbling up like crazy. I had a real, I got behind on my email list because I was thinking about other stuff and was just like, uh, I, I don't know what to write. And, and plus the whole thing, like, what should I write? But that was a that was a big distraction. This whole, in fact, this whole year has been interesting because it's been. I don't normally watch the news ever, ever, ever. And watching the news uh, most recently, I've been, you know, I've been sucked into it because of an election year and all of the stuff that's going on. And it's really, uh, I have to force myself to not think about it and like put myself on a diet of like you know, a half an hour maximum of doom scrolling through Twitter. Otherwise, it sends my mind off in a direction that is not productive. And there's like nothing I can, you know, there's nothing well, I can do. Well, or you want to write about it and it's not germane to your topic. Yeah. You know, that happens too. Right. So those are those are just distractions, though. And that's like letting that's just an undisciplined mind. The well, but I want to I want to throw something else in there, though, because I, I totally get what you're saying. Um, I've got a number of clients where they have an active client base and they're creating, whether it's, you know, podcast publishing or they're writing their but they're publishing. Mm -hmm. And so they can get in this place where they get so uh, in, embroiled in their client situation that they run out of time, quote unquote, um, to pay attention to writing. And so it's not so much that they're bored, it's that they've let their mind go to another place. And it's an important place. We can always tell ourselves client work is the most important thing we do. Right? It's kind of hardwired when you're a consultant. And so it becomes an excuse, or at least it can become an excuse, not to um, have ideas on content because you're not setting aside the time to do it. The, the system you described is there's time in your day and you know that you have a deliverable. You don't let yourself off the hook for that deliverable, no matter what else happens. 
in your life. You're right. You connected it for me because that's, that is what's happening. Your mind is, it's somewhere else, you know? So, I mean, to me, those are so closely rated. I'm trying to connect those two things. It's like you're, I guess that's kind of what I meant with being bored is that you don't want to spend the time thinking about it, but you're right. There are other things that can cause your mind to go elsewhere. Like, you know, you prioritize client work over your writing or there are major events going on in the world that are just, or in your family that are just super distracting and your mind is just not going to the place, whether it's boredom or distraction or interruption or whatever. um, The result is the same, which is that you run out of ideas. Is it that there are no more ideas? No, probably not. It's that you can't get your brain to go there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what's the, is the solution there? I feel like the solution there isn't necessarily, it, it's not your message. It's not that your message isn't resonating or that the, it, it's that for whatever reason, you can't keep your brain on message. So you I don't need know. need a break. <laughs> probably, yeah, it's probably burnout <laughs> sometimes too. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's just, you give yourself permission to take a couple weeks to not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think part of the problem this year in particular is because we can't go anywhere, we sort of feel, well, you know, we can't take time off. Well, I took a week off in July and it was kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did do a little bit of work, but I didn't, I didn't write any content. I just like gave my brain that time off and I came back with some new ideas I hadn't had when I'd stopped. So it's, yeah, it's that giving yourself permission to shut it off for a while. We don't have to be on 24-7. Yep, that could be a solution. Another solution, I think, is to to re-engage your own interest, which for me, I don't know if this would work for, for everyone, for me, that would involve shaking it up or finding a new angle or uh, maybe a new metaphor or maybe... Uh, here, here's another thing that I, I don't know if... I don't know if this would work for everyone because it sounds like a distraction or a procrastination, but I'll read a book that has nothing to do with like a, my normal business type books. So like normally I would read, you know, pricing or marketing or positioning books or sales books, those sorts of like business mm-hmm. books. Um, but if I read, like I'll be reading a book with the kids, just like a fiction book with the kids and it'll, there'll be some story in it that's like, oh, this would be a good metaphor. Or mm. um, I have this weird attraction to kind of like bushcraft, woodsy camping type. I'm, I'm totally an indoor <laughs> enthusiast. Like I would rather get a, like a, a cavity filled and go camping but um there's something about the survivalist angle that that <laughs> intrigues me it's the dream jonathan <laughs> uh, i don't know what it is there's it's something i don't know what it is but it's it's a paradox of my personality but at any rate uh, every once in a while i'll read one of these books about like you know how to start a fire with two sticks or whatever and uh and that gives me ideas so that can, you know, <laughs> no pun intended, can sort of rekindle the the ideas. If I ran out of ideas, then that exposing myself to something just com- seemingly unrelated, completely unrelated, can uh, spark new ideas. I don't know how this, I, does this relate to our mess? Are we in the weeds here? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I can't see you now without thinking of Ron and Parks and Rec. I so, don't know um, what that is. Yeah, oh, <laughs> Watch watch an episode with Ron and you'll know what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> Outdoorsman. Okay. Um, oh, the mustache guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your alter ego. <laughs> um, no, I, I do think it relates. I mean, it's, these are all things like if you read books about creativity, they will tell you, you know, you're stuck, go out and move. 
You know, mm-hmm. walk the dog, take a run, go do something different, go play with your kids, you know, read a book that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. I mean, inspiration is everywhere. And and I think, you know, on this particular point, we're saying when you're out of content ideas, you got to fill the well. Could and be. filling the well, it may not be that you just sit there, you know, pen poised or fingers poised <laughs> over your keyboard, right? Like, where's the idea? Where's the idea? It's go do something else. Yeah. And do that until... You know, it starts coming back to you or read through. Um, I keep up an email folder of things that I've gotten from people on my list. And the most of them are complimentary, but every once in a while I'll save one that where somebody didn't like somebody something because I thought it was really important the way that they said it and what they had to say. And sometimes I'll just go and read those again. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, this is who I'm writing for. This is what they need to know. I'm going to write about this. Just, you know, you just have to have to let it go and and not focus 100% on this all the time. Yeah. Well, so I think we've given a bunch of, of, of ideas about how you might get stuck and, with content creation and how to get unstuck with content creation. Um, but just to wrap this point up, I think the reason why I immediately went to board is that if if none of this stuff works, maybe your message is not working for you. You know, mm-hmm. maybe there, maybe that you do, maybe it's time to change. You know, I, I don't think that should happen every couple of weeks. I'm talking about like a, on a time scale of years, hopefully if you've got a big idea and a mission and all of that it shouldn't be happening every you know month. But, you know, I go through these 10 year cycles where I'm just like, you know, software development dead to me, you know, playing <laughs> in a band dead to me. And it just, you know, so maybe you're at one of those points or whatever, your message needs to be changed or you want to go deeper or you want to go up a level to, you know, maybe you're doing business coaching and you're like, you know what, all of these people that I'm dealing with, the problem, the big problems are all personal and I want to go up a level and be a life coach or something, you know, like that, right. that can happen. Yeah. where you, you evolve into a new thing. So if you do run out of ideas and you can't get unstuck, then maybe it's time to uh, have a new big idea. It's possible. Yeah, it's look at the emotions that are underlying this. And sometimes you just don't care about the specific slice that you've identified as much as you once did. Right. And that's a sign that it's it's time to look at something new or, <laughs> or a variation. You're at the yeah. bottom of the rabbit hole. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. <laughs> Okay. No, I meant, oh, I didn't mean that. I guess it was a double meeting there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we, we've made plenty of visits down rabbit holes. <laughs> yes. Dear listener, you might be at the bottom of the rabbit hole for you. Yes. Okay. We'll never get to the bottom of our rabbit hole. Um, okay. So the, <laughs> without, without further ado, number three, uh, somebody keeps beating you. I love the inherent subjectivity in this one. So what, what did this one mean when you thought of it? I know. And it's, I, I was waiting for you to disagree with me, Jonathan. Like, what do you mean? You know, they can't beat you. That's not a competition. But I, I have this from clients all the time when they first touch base with me. And they might say, you know, this is what I do, is who, who I think my audience is. But so-and-so, which is a, like a marquee name, is beating me. Like they're doing it this way and they're getting this. And so what happens is you feel like you just can't do it well because somebody else is doing it better. Mm-hmm. You're right. I have an abundance mentality, like grow a bigger pie. There's room for everybody. Right. Uh, but if you do feel like you're being beaten, I, I can't talk you out of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like if, if someone feels like they're being beaten by someone else, then that's real. The feeling is real. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're wrong, 
and they shouldn't feel like that, but there's that word should. Like you can't just say to somebody, oh, you shouldn't feel like that. So Yeah, if you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So if you if you have that feeling, then it could be that, you know, you need to change something about, you need to pivot somehow or change, you know, in your messaging, whether it's whether it's your your specialty, your specialization or the niche that you're focusing on or some angle on the message to kind of differentiate yourself to get you out from feeling like you're in the shadow of this someone you perceive to be a leader yeah and I think the other thing is a lot of times what I do with clients is I redirect them from that because the person they think of as the idol is different from them they have a different set of talents and passions. Their audience may be looking to them for a different reason. And I, I absolutely want to respect that we all have our idols, the people we look up to. But meaning that that doesn't mean that our businesses and how we take our message should look the same. Or that because we have half as many followers that we're not as good. Yeah, 100%. You know? Yeah. So, but I still think if, if you feel that way, then that's a sign that your message isn't working, not necessarily for your audience, but for you. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's a theme that's cropping up in here is like that some of these could be that it's, it's almost like you don't believe in it anymore or it's not, it's not inspiring you, which is going to automatically almost certainly translate into the reaction from the audience or any prospects that you're talking to. You know, if you're getting, I keep coming back to board, but, or, or just, you know, in this particular point, it's like, um, you're obsessing over someone else's, you're, you're, you feel like you're playing a zero sum game and yeah, you're focused on them versus your audience. Yeah. Is it, fo- there's this group of people right in front of you, whether that's 30 people or 300,000, you have a group of people to serve. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times this is when people just need to get tighter focused more tightly focused on their positioning, you know, their messaging. So, uh, you know, a simple example is I I worked with a client who wanted to change their message to reach women. Mm -hmm. And the client felt really strongly about the female audience. So, I mean, that's a difference right there. Like, okay, so let's focus on that. How do you feel differently if you focus on women? What will you say? Mm -hmm. How are you going to say this differently? Who, and so then maybe what you think about this person over here doesn't matter because He's not, he's not addressing women. He's addressing everybody um, yep. or, you know, women of a certain age or men of a certain age. It's like getting really clear on that, um, I think, can help a lot. Usually it means that they need to focus more rather than uh, Yeah, less. I totally agree. Right. You know, just as an anecdote, I recently came across someone who seems incredibly smart, uh, speaks about a topic that's of interest to me. Uh, uh, this person is one of one of a half a dozen people I can think of who are pretty prominent in this space uh, and I believe is right, like probably has valuable information to share, but I cannot stand the delivery. It's this kind of obsequious, you can do it cheerleader kind of thing that just makes my skin crawl. (laughs) And, you know, compare that to someone who's like, and and just harsh, um, you know, like, just do it, you lazy bastard. You know, like that, that kind of thing. I'm I'm much more that way. Like I that appeals to me much more than this kind of like you know you can do it type of thing. But I and I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. 
What I'm saying yeah. is that the the style, just the pure personality style, it could be the exact same information delivered with these two different personality types, is going to make a big difference to a lot of people. Yes. You know, so nobody yeah. nobody is better at being you than you. And I'm not saying you should lead with your personality. I don't think it's, you know, just, it, well. Well, you lead with your strengths. Yes. And there you. are people who are really good at cheerleading and there are people who are really good at telling you you suck and you better get better. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I do think you lead with that, whichever one is more you. And if you're not leading with what's really you, that's when when you have this misalignment and people feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, you know, some people are going to be more attracted to like an Oprah style and uh, other people are going to be attracted to a Goggins style. And if you're looking, if you're like focusing on someone who you believe is beating you in your mind they're beating you then the focus the increased focus that will differentiate you even more from that person could be as simple as just like letting it all hang out personality wise uh, in a way that's just i don't want to say thoroughly authentic but you know just be yourself and let that come through in your the style of your messaging and that will That'll definitely, that'll differ because everyone's different. So it's going to differentiate yes. you from this other person. You're putting yourself in service to your message. Good way to put it. Yeah. Well said. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was thinking, you know, there's something that, that I always do when I'm going quote unquote on, whether it's like a podcast or an interview or video or something. And I always say, I don't know if I would call it a prayer exactly, but I always sit there for a few moments and say, okay, let whatever I have that's of value to people come out. And it's just, it's, it's just a tiny, tiny thing where I want to make sure that I'm focused on whoever's on the other end of this instead of me. Mm -hmm. And it's like when you do that for your audience, then you have you know, those two extreme examples that are both authentic and they both work. And one isn't better than the other. It just attracts a specific audience. Right. They pro it's, it's probably safe to say they both won't work for the same person yeah that's right probably so. true on the opposite ends you know they've got a bunch of people in the middle right yeah right. Well, that's what happens when you're on the opposite on the opposite end of any spectrum right there's fewer people to come your way right mm -hmm. because there's only people to the right or left of you not both mm -hmm. and that's not to say you should water down your message absolutely not um but it's it's when you're at opposite ends of the spectrum you do court controversy typically mm-hmm um, and that can be of value too. Sure. Okay. So number four on the list was that you've reached a revenue plateau. Yeah. How long would you say, like, like what time frame would you feel like you could confidently say that, huh, like my income is definitely stalled? Well, I think it depends on your business model. So like the extreme would, one extreme would be like if you have two, three, four, like a handful of clients at any given time. And, you know, and so you're serving those clients, maybe you've got some other things going, but you're basically serving those clients and they last for a period of time. They don't last forever. So they last for six months, a year, 18 months. So you're always trying to nurture some other ones to come in. So that kind of business model, I would look much more longer term at a revenue plateau. I mean, I would, or a decrease. I would look at, like, if my typical client was with me for six months, I'd look at it 
I, I wouldn't start thinking about it until six months. I wouldn't start worrying about it. I would pay attention. Um, but that six month period, because you've got some time coming and going, but if you've got, you know, multiple revenue streams and you're selling things that you don't have to personally deliver and all of a sudden you see a tank in that, I mean, I, I, I would pay attention to that. I'm sure a lot of people saw that with COVID. Right. Absolutely. But then, yeah. of course, that's the other piece. You know, there's outside events that have nothing to do with um, how successful you are or aren't, but may still require you to change something that you're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I look at it kind of on a year over year basis, which may or may not be a good way to do it. But but really, the only two metrics that I look at in my business, for better or worse, are uh, revenue and or really profitability. But my costs are pretty static. Um, so revenue and list growth. Those are the two numbers I watch. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and for me, I don't get to, I don't get to, I look at it, it's sort of like uh, in chunks of 12 months. And, you know, is it, does it seem, you know, this time last year, am I doing better than this time last year? Because I do get seasonal fluctuations for sure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm into, uh, you know, August is usually not the greatest month sales wise. So you get, you know, cause people are just like on vacation or whatever. And, uh, you, I wouldn't want to look at like, Oh, August is down from July because it's always down from <laughs> July, <laughs> right? You know, unless there's some weird anomaly. Uh, and the other thing is, I'll do different. I have different launch cycles every year because I'm playing around with different things. So I might have like a, a a really big launch in January of 2019, and then in in 2020, I decided not to launch in January. So I can't really. It's a little bit. You have to kind of like zhuzh it. You know, you kind of have to like have some perspective uh, and not get too overly granular about it. I think for me anyway. But looking at it on an annual basis, if I had a, you know, if I was doing worse this year than last year after twelve months, then I'd be like, uh, that's in, unless there's a good reason. Like I purposely cut out a really difficult uh, but high-paying thing. So in other words, like like mm -hmm. I'm working less on purpose then I would be a little concerned. Yeah, or you made a conscious decision to invest in something, whether that's creating a program or launching a podcast. Um, you know, I've said this yep. to clients, when you do something like that, you have to think about it like adding a new client mm -hmm. without the revenue at first. <laughs> yeah. But in terms of the work, it's like, you know, you've got another client. So yeah, I mean, you have to look at, at what you've invested in this year or this period, whatever that period is. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I mean, I think when the way you describe it, you've got you have multiple launches, you have multiple revenue streams. So timing is something, mm -hmm. right? For someone else that doesn't have as much of that, then you have to start looking at, you know, our what what's happening with leads? Because if your revenue is down, well, what's happening with your leads? Is it that you still have the same number of leads, but you're selling less to each one? Are you selling a different uh, product or service than you used to? I mean, you look at your mix. I mean, so there's all sorts of things you can look at, but basically what we're saying is, you know, when it, when it feels like it's stalled and you look at it from all different angles and it's stalled or down, then, you know, something's not working. Yeah, right. But you just want to, don't be too granular, granular about it. That's the, that's just yeah. the one thing, you know, it might, yeah. my, my no, stepfather, right. my stepfather was a, was a small business owner, had a used bookstore and like. If sales were below a certain number one day, like, and that number was probably sales the day before, he was in a bad mood. If sales were up over the last yesterday, then he was in a good mood. It was like thoroughly predictable. And that is a roller coaster you don't want to be on. But, yeah. uh, you know, but if you, if you look at the, at the year and you're like, hmm, 
I did not, my, my income is down. It was not because of something intentional that I did. So I should start looking at something. Yeah. But, but you segued perfectly into, uh, you, you made a comment about leads. So you're getting the same number of leads, but you're not closing as many deals. That is very, that to me is like a huge alarm sign, <laughs> alarm, yeah. red flag. Yeah. So the, and that's number five. So your prospects don't get it. So you're getting leads, you're talking to them and they're just confused. They, they just don't see you know what's in it for them or the value proposition or they're comparing you to things that are different so like they're comparing you to the wrong options well and the problem is you they don't always tell you this <laughs> like this is what's going on in their head um yeah so you have to kind of shush us out of them is that the right word shush. you have to shush, so. <laughs> shush them out of you, you really have to find a way when somebody when when consistently you're starting to lose these deals you've got to do some homework to figure out why mm-hmm. what is it and you know is it price it's easy to blame things on price but if they then go and hire somebody else to do that maybe it wasn't price right yeah so it could be that so this one this one brings up something that i think we've kind of has gotten glossed over so far which is i think the premise on everything we've talked about so far is kind of like you had traction and then it stalled you you know you have an audience but it stopped growing you had ideas but then you Uh ran out of them um you maybe that somebody keeps beating you 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 know maybe you discovered them after you already started you know, revenue plateau. I'm, you know, I was just talking about it in annual terms. Maybe you're just starting out and you don't have last year's earnings to look at and in your prospects just don't get it. This one I think is the one is the, is the kind that you would, this is a sign that you get instantly. So you don't need years of, yeah. <laughs> of a uh, track record to notice that things are stalled or they're not growing or they're going down. Um, this is the one that people get immediately when they start talking to clients. So it's it's probably the canary in the coal mine for people that don't have a track record. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you get out of this one? So this one for me is, this isn't that, so this is one of those signs that you haven't gotten your messaging right yet. The other ones are that your messaging is no longer working. So for me, this one is all about uh, the, the way out of this one is all about conversations, like optimizing for conversations, having as many conversations, virtual or otherwise, as you can to see when people's eyebrows go up or when they go down. So like if you're, if you try and, if you're talking about what it is that you do or your value proposition, even if it's not a prospect, you're just at a party virtually and, <laughs> right, you know, that's a thing, it's a thing. Yeah, I know, I know. And, and someone's like, oh, what do you do? And you explain it to them and their virtual eyebrows go down. Their face scrunches up and they're kind of like, huh? <laughs> then you know you have a messaging problem. Mm-hmm. So you want you want their eyebrows to go up. They go, oh, cool. I know someone that might need that or maybe they need that. So it's like the eyebrow test. <laughs> yeah. And the only way to, it's really hard to do this over a text medium. It's really hard to do over like an email or even real time, something like Slack. It helps a lot to be able to see their face and just watch those eyebrows. And if you can say in six words, oh, I'm a blah, 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 you know, I'm a dog lawyer or I'm, you know, I, I help people who bill by the hour make more money or whatever, you know, it's just a really short conversational way and and their eyebrows go up, you know you're on to something. But if their eyebrows go down, you know you've still got more work to do. I feel like this is something that happens a lot to people in their maybe second year of 
of what I'll call freelancing for mm-hmm. this purpose, where the first year you get work from the people who knew you, maybe yep. even from your old employer. Mm-hmm. So it's you are who you always were. I'm You're a graphic employee, designer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I'm a software developer. I mean, you know, it's like those kinds of things. And in the second year, all of a sudden, those things go away or they're minimized and you need to get work from other sources. And all of a sudden, when you say, I'm a graphic designer, uh, yeah. Uh, so are like five million other people. Right. What's special about you? So, and so it's it's they just they don't hear the message, and that's when um, typically people will start figuring out how to specialize or define their audience or tighten their messaging. You know all of those things, and then I think what happens is is you, that you find that that spot, that position that you want to take, and there's some messaging that goes along with that, and then you do that for a little while until it's not quite working again (laughs) right so i feel like you know part of this is a process and and i've usually visualize it as a process that you get tighter and tighter as you go right and and i suppose i suppose what we've revealed is that uh, as you get tighter and tighter you sort of ratchet it into a tighter and tighter focus there could come a time when the either the landscape changes underneath the market for whatever reason it could be world events it could be um it could be uh, Amazon comes into the space, whatever, but the context changes or your context changes, like you're no longer passionate about this thing or whatever, but mm-hmm. you've got this tighter and tighter focus and then something changes and then you need to um, maybe change your messaging or refresh your messaging. It needs to be, it, it might be a, a, um, a little bit of a pivot. It might be a big pivot, it, but it's just this point that happens when focusing down more isn't going to, potentially is not going to do it. So it's almost like an inflection point where you need to do something different to shake things up for yourself or because of the marketplace. And, you know, I think the last one here that prospects just don't get it is is really more about that feels to me like like something that happens early in the career, but it can um, it can come back. You know, so oh yeah, you know I, I've worked with people. Yeah, I've worked with a bunch of people later in their careers where it's happened, and they they may not have been um, consulting independently all that time, but they have been for a while. And what happens typically? I'm, the, the classic example I want to use is people in executive coaching because the industry has changed. It right. used to be really special to have an executive coach, and there weren't that many. And then all of a sudden people down to the director level in organizations get executive coaches. So they have to be presented with multiple options. So instead of having you know, five people in an organization that get a, a, executive coaching, you might have 200, <laughs> right? And so what happens is the people start inside that organization start organizing that in a certain way. They'll work with certain firms. They'll put price pressure on those. And so, so here you are as the executive coach how are you going to differentiate yourself from all the people in your space? And especially when there's always a beauty contest, they're, they're, you're typically presented with two other coaches and people have to pick you. Right. So it's, yeah. And so, so it becomes, okay, so this is the way I've done it. I've been successful, but now I've got to pivot. And well, I, I don't think pivot is even the right word. It's I've got to really focus on what's unique and special about me that these people are going to value and pay more for. Right. Yeah. It does all come back for me. Everything comes back to like, how are you going to increase the value that you deliver and therefore Mm -hmm. be able to increase the fees that you can charge? Exactly. So I guess, you know, it basically boils down to, um, 
so what we're talking about here, just to kind of wrap and, and put a nice bow on it, is that these are five different things that are going to tell you there are signs that your message isn't working. And the solution in every case is to make a change. Duh. <laughs> but what do you change? You change the words that are coming out of your mouth and that are showing up in your emails and on your website to be more pro almost certainly more specific about or more focused on your specialization what's different about you so like in a way that's going to resonate with someone better you want more reson resonance resonation <laughs> resonance. resonance yeah yeah resonation <laughs> making up words now so so you could be that you uh, go deeper into your skills and your specialization. You become, you know, develop a superpower you double down on. Or it could be that you niche down on a more specific target market or type of person. And that could be a demographic, a psychographic. Um, it, it could be anything, a vertical. It could be just more specific about who you're trying to help, which will, again, if you're, if you're more specific about that, you can do a better job and therefore the value is higher. Mm -hmm. And or maybe it's maybe it's as simple as just being more authentic, being your more yourself, and differentiating yourself from other people just based on your attitude or worldview or approach or uh, yeah, just outcomes. Like how much outcomes. you swear. <laughs> well, it's outcomes because a lot of times people aren't as comfortable talking about outcomes. We talk about who we are, what kind of experience we had, the kinds of projects we did, but the outcomes. That's what the results, that's what, that's what your client base or your audience base is really interested in. What's the transformation? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I would even add that as, a, as its own thing. So updating your, um, your messaging to include results that are meaningful to whoever you are trying to serve is, yeah. I mean, that's solid gold if you can do that. Um, okay, is there anything else? Would we leave any stones uncovered? Oh, any horses on. unbeaten? <laughs> Any rabbit holes undug or uh, yeah, unexplored? unexplored. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm good. Okay, cool. All right, folks, that's it for this time. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Rochelle Moulton, and we hope you join us again next time for the business of authority. Bye. Bye. Bye.